Okay, so now we're recording. Okay, awesome. Hi, everybody. Um, welcome to room one this fine November evening. We have somebody who has raised her hand already. So let's get started. Hi. Hi there. Hi. Hi. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing well. I was just seeing if I could change the... um. Oh, I won't worry about it right now. I was seeing if I could change the way the boxes were on my screen. But anyway, how are you doing? I'm doing good. I can't complain too much. Um, but I need some help maybe reframing um, how I want to approach something. Yeah, let's hear it. So I am um, in a smaller community hospital. Mm -hmm. I'm one of two surgeons. And my partner just gave his um, resignation. So I am going to be one of one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and we are in um, like kind of rural mid-America. And so um, everyone is assuming that recruitment is going to be very difficult. Mm -hmm. And Initially, I was really actually kind of excited about it because I think we have a lot to offer. Mm -hmm. um, and I have now met with three different admins in the last week um, because they all keep asking me, well, what is it that you need and what do you want and this and that. And I keep repeating the same thing. And it's like they're not communicating to one another. And I'm, I'm starting to feel um, maybe a little suspicious without um like that's I can't really come up with maybe the feeling just yet of what I'm feeling but it's like I it's like they all keep telling me that they want to know what I want and what I like what I see moving forward and what they can do to help recruit but yet they're not supposedly talking to one another but then I found out that they had a meeting this morning um with the group but yet they want to keep me involved and I was not invited to the meeting. What group? Um, I was just called, I was just told it was admin, but oh, it like included admin like people. my practice manager. Yeah, but it included like my practice manager. Okay. So, um, so I, I'm wanting to stay optimistic mm -hmm. um, and really convey that to them, um, as, and as far as, like, I really think that this is an opportunity for growth. Yeah. But I'm starting to um, question them and question their motivation. Okay. And so let me just make sure I have it. I understand what you're telling me. You've spoken independently with several different admin type people. They're asking you the same questions. You're giving them the same answers, but they don't seem to be talking to one another. Yes, ma'am. Okay. So what about that scenario gives you, because the feeling you mentioned was suspicious. So yeah. what about that scenario makes you think something that, that makes you suspicious? Um. So, so we're part of a bigger hospital system, uh -huh. and each time I seem to be hearing a little bit more about one of the big, um, like there's a private surgery group, um, 
that they're talking about like bringing them in or they're talking about um, you know these little things here or there that weren't ever really my thoughts or my suggestions mm-hmm. but that it feels like it feels like they are making all these plans behind without me behind my back and then they're gonna try to um, just implement them and say well this is the decision that we've come up with okay um, and I think and I think the reason I I'm feeling that way is because it's like they haven't ta- like they haven't talked enough to know what I'm saying but they've talked enough that they're each putting in a little bit of this is the next direction we're going okay so is it bad if they do something different than what you suggested no it's not bad I just want to know I just want to be a part of the decision okay okay how how would you be a part like what would that look like for you, like in your mind, what does it mean to be a part of the decision? Like how much, I think that might be interesting for us to understand, like how much of like kind of how they're communicating with you would give you the enough impression that you're a part of the decision. I think that's what I'm struggling with too. Cause I've kind of thought about that. of like, well, what are you expecting out of this? Yeah. Um, yeah. and I, I guess, um, I don't, I, I haven't been able to really verbalize my, or like pinpoint what my expectation is other than I ultimately don't want to feel like I got blindsided. Okay. So I guess kind of some help in defining what I would what looks like involvement in decisions. Yeah. Okay. I think that could be good to work on because it's funny if we like watch this play out as if it was a movie happening, there are some people who would look at this and say, Oh, look, they involved her because they even asked her in the first place, (laughs) irrespective if they do anything with the information you shared, but like they did they asked. And so there is, there are going to be a handful of people who will look at that and say, Oh, look, she was involved. And then there are going to be other people who say, well, they didn't, there's no evidence that they took anything that she said and implemented it. So she's not involved. And then there's another group of people who will be like, Oh, they, it looks like they carefully considered. And then they had to use what she said and then put that in an overarching bigger picture and yada, yada. Do you see what I mean? It like could mean so yeah. many different things. So for you, yeah. you, so we have, this is interesting because yeah. we could use the model then to get, a, to create the result you want, which is to feel involved. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. That's the so end result that I want. The result is to, do you want to be involved or feel like you're involved? Um, I think ultimately if I feel involved, then I probably am being involved. Right. So I'm not sure if you can see this and um, there we go. Yeah, I can. Okay. So if we say be involved, 
then we can work backwards. So what would you need to do to be involved? Well, number one, um, you need to talk with admin. Yep. Included in the meeting. Um, how do we be included in the meeting? Like, how could we execute that as an action? Uh, well, I thought about crashing the meeting this morning on my own. Yeah. I thought maybe that would be a bad idea. Well, maybe one one thing you could do is like now that the meeting has occurred, do you have the ability to circle back with them and say, okay, so I understand you guys had this meeting. I'm really curious what you, oh, yeah. what happened. What was discussed and what, yeah. So be yeah. included, I'll say be included and or, and or circle back when not included. Yeah, I think like almost like closed loop communication kind of thing. Yeah. Right, because we don't really have any control over if somebody else is going to include you. So you can include yourself right. by, so I'm just going to say include yeah. self. Include self with closed loop communication. Yeah. This is super fascinating too, because so often when we get, um, a feeling that something's not right or whatever. There are some circumstances that will have trigger us to have thoughts that help us to feel, you know, like let's just say a negative feeling. And then the actions that come from that actually serve to intensify that negativity or bring us further away from the result that we want. But this is different because we want to bring you closer. We want to close the gap somehow. So what are some other ways to close that gap? Um, maybe requesting a meeting, like instead of just like the closed slip through email, but maybe a, requesting a meeting with all of them. Yeah. That might be. Yep. What about like staying open to more possibilities? Oh, yeah, I definitely need that because I think I'm I definitely have my idea of like, this is what I want it to look like. And this is who I want to come replace my partner. And this is what I want to continue to be able to do. And um, it being open, I something better than what I'm imagining could definitely come along. Yeah. And I think I think that's true. But also, I think it's really awesome that you already have some kind of an idea of an ideal scenario. And it's wonderful when we have an idea about an ideal scenario, but then there are going to be things that we didn't even consider before, which could make it even more ideal. So I don't think that it's, I think it's actually great to have, to have that, to both in the action line. It's like, okay, know my wants, but then be open to other things that I might not even know. Yes. Okay, so how would you need to feel to do these things? Um, maybe empowered. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then what would you need to think to feel empowered? Um, I think 
I, I need to think that um, I could have real influence on the direction this goes. Yeah. I feel like that may not yeah. be specific enough to like really keep me, because that's kind of how I felt before, but then it was the other little doubts that crept in that made me question that maybe. Yeah. So yeah. this is great because when we're using the model strategically to get a result that we want, if you work backwards like this, it's literally as simple as asking yourself these questions. Okay, what's the result that I want now? What do I need to do to get that result? Okay, what feeling do I need to have to drive those actions? Okay, what thought do I need to think to generate that feeling? And so then you just start trying on thoughts, just like you try on clothes. Okay, let me try on this thought. I can have real influence over the direction this goes how and how does that work for you does that give you the feeling of empowered the thought itself does yeah um i think it's other thoughts around it that maybe break down that feeling of empowerment well of course there will be because you're going to have multiple yeah. models going and mm -hmm. and that's always how things are is we don't have just like one going at a time. It's usually a bunch, but it's really nice to have one that you can use as home base so that when you notice okay. that your human brain drifts over to these other things, you can be like, oh yeah, okay. There's my human brain just like getting confused. And now I know that this is what I really desire here. So you can kind of remind yourself it's just like drifting away and coming back, drifting away and coming back. It's, it's, actually pretty cool to have this all set up for yourself as a, um, I don't know. I, I think of it as like a home base when you're playing tag and running yeah. around like a maniac and you just need to get to home base. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. So let's come up with a couple more, just so you have a few at your disposal whenever you do get kind of um, sidetracked by these other thoughts. So I can have real influence over the direction this goes. I love it. Now, what about like the idea that you are the one who can control your side of being involved. Like, Oh yeah. There's so much about being involved that we outsource to other people as if we're dependent mm -hmm. on them to be involved, but that's not really true. Mm -hmm. Like mm -hmm. we can't control whether they invite you to a meeting or not, but there are so many other things that you can do to control over your level of involvement. So it's like, yeah, I can stay as involved as I want in this. Yeah. Or I can, I, um, and maybe, they, maybe they think that they're doing me a favor by not inviting me to these meetings. It's possible. Like it's and, just one more thing. Yeah. And it's possible that even in the meetings, they're discussing stuff that is maybe not your lane, you know, who knows Yeah. yeah. if they're admin people, who knows what they're talking about, <laughs> but, um, but, you know, your brain is just going to like totally create a story around it and try yep. to make it and try to prove to you that you're not involved when that's not necessarily true. I mean, maybe it is, but it's not necessarily true. And you're the one who can control a degree of involvement for yourself because you can either be involved in your own brain 
and then act accordingly, or you can be like, well, I'm not involved. I guess I'll just check out. Yeah. Yeah. So something to stay engaged. Um, yeah. I'm in control of being engaged. Yeah, definitely. I'm in control of being engaged. And so one of the actions that would come of that too, then would be, would be more engagement, like following through on communication and. Yes. Yes. You got it. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Okay. I'm going to take a, Oh shoot. I don't, Oh shoot, shoot, shoot. I don't have my phone. I need to take a picture of this so I can post it. Oh yeah. Poop. What did I do with my phone? <laughs> um, can you just like let me run and grab a camera really quickly? Sure. I just took a screenshot of it so I can oh, try I can send it to you too. That'd be perfect. Thank you. And I don't have to like dart oh. away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. See, I I haven't gotten my new flip chart. So um I don't know. Those flip charts, they just end up going in the recycling bin. So, all right. Well, good. Does this help then? Does this kind of get you a little bit of clarity around it? Because like feeling empowered is very different than feeling suspicious. Yes, definitely. And I think having those thoughts that can kind of be my mantras as I'm going through this of like, I can be as involved as I want to be and I can be as engaged as I want to be. And I really can actually make an influence on this and help to build us up instead of, because I, I mean, naturally everyone is terrified that yeah surgery is going to go yeah. away, you know. <laughs> you know, and that sadly might be the conclusion, but mm-hmm. at least at the end of the day, when you, when, when the decisions are made and all the dust has settled, you will have shown up with as the person you really want to be in the whole process. Whereas if you don't, and then you get the end result, then it's either going to be exactly what you want, in which case you got lucky, or it's going to be terrible and you're going to feel victimized by the whole thing. So no matter what the actual um, conclusion of the story is, it is less relevant than your decision to show up as this being that you really desire and have the experience of it and relate to it in a way that you choose and are intentional about. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Awesome. I like that. Thank Thank you. you. Daisy. My pleasure. Okay. I'm going to go ahead and disable talking for Daisy and um, change my view to gallery view. Do we have anybody else? Thank you so much to Daisy for bringing us that uh, really awesome example about work. Anybody else ready to rock and roll? Any questions about the model process? Ooh, yes. Ooh, I love this name. Somebody has named herself Death by Chocolate. That's pretty good. Okay. So, Death by Chocolate. Hi. Hi, how's it going? Good. How are you? Uh, not bad. You know. Oh, I, I recognize your voice. I'm so excited <laughs> to hear from you. <laughs> 
Um, good to see you too, or hear from you, whatever. Yes. Um, What's going on? Okay. So, um, this is something that I've struggled with on and off. And so okay. I figured running through it would be helpful. Yeah. So I work in a more rural area. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a lot of things I like about that. You know, I like my patient population and, and all that, but there's definitely some struggles, particularly mm-hmm. the resources that are available to me in my hospital. Right. Yeah. And like most of us, but especially for my residency, I trained where there was like literally every resource available to you possible. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's like the complete opposite situation. So one thing I struggle with a lot is how much to do in my own hospital versus send it on. Oh, okay. Because, Because, um, I mean, the, the next closest place where that has a higher level of care is it's only about an hour. So it's not ridiculous, you know, for people yeah. to go. Um, sometimes they refuse anyway, but mm-hmm. <laughs> still it's um, so and, and part of it where I where I struggle and where it tends to get me into, you know, the wrong, like those uh, cycling pathways like we get into, you know, neurologically mm-hmm. is which normal, I think most of us surgeons think of every eventual possibility, you know? And so, um, I'm always worried about deciding to do something in my hospital. And then there's this rare thing that happens that I wasn't able to handle it. Whereas if they had done it at first in a, a bigger hospital, then they would have been able to just call someone or call on the resource, you know? Is that, does that make sense? Well, it does make sense. Um, I want to hear more about what you have to say about this. Um, yeah. Because this is, this is a super interesting idea. So before yeah, I start so telling you my opinion, I want, I want to hear more from you. Yeah. yeah. So, so for example, since the pandemic, our pediatric like nursing ability has gone way, way, way down. And so, um, I used to do quite a bit of pediatric stuff, but I've been more, um, trepidatious about doing that and, um, more trepidatious about keeping them if something happens. And so, for example, I did a case, uh, I don't know, about a month ago and overall I felt like it went well, but I definitely was very conservative and did a few things differently because I just really didn't want him to have to stay. And I didn't want to take that risk. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and so I recently saw that patient back and there's nothing wrong. Um, like it wasn't a complication, but there's a good chance he's going to need a reoperation. And maybe because I wasn't as aggressive as I would have been if I had had felt more comfortable with our pediatric situation. Like it's a maybe, but still. Yeah. I, it's like the sliding doors. Have you seen sliding doors with Gwyneth Paltrow? No, I don't think I have. Oh my gosh. It's so good. It's, okay. old. it's old, but you know, it's the story of what happens if you go one direction versus what happens if you go the other direction. It's like, we want to have this comfort around things would have been better for this patient if I had just sent it on. Right. Right. And we just like, that's not true. We don't know Necessary. that. We don't know that. Right. You know, right. we really, really don't. And so I think this is kind of the pitfall of 
that is so familiar to all of us um, of kind of going back and looking at things retrospectively. It's like, oh my gosh, this totally would have been fine if I sent him off. We don't know that. He might've had a major complication with a different surgeon. He might've, you know, he might've gotten in a car wreck on his way to the other hospital. Like you just don't <laughs> yeah. know. Yeah, that's a good point. You know? <laughs> yeah. And I don't know. So I guess what's like, what's the, problem for you? Is it, is it doing the second guessing or is it trying to figure out, okay, how do I want to do this moving forward? Yeah. So I, the second guessing has always been a problem for me and I've definitely gotten better through coaching and through, you know, thought mm-hmm. work. Cause I used to beat myself up a lot and I used to feel like, well, I'm not allowed to feel good about this, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I've instead worked on like, you know, I made the best decision I could at the time, all that, those type of things. So that's gotten better. It's still there a little bit. It's a very (laughs) well-worn neural pathway. Um, but then going forward, I also, um, I don't want to underestimate myself because I think oftentimes, um, I do. And part of that just comes from like a lack of confidence. And so many people talk about imposter syndrome and all those type of things. So I don't want to, underestimate myself, but I also want to make sure I'm serving patients properly, you know, like, and sometimes that can be a challenge. And I think, I think it's just part of, you know, working where I'm working. Sure. Um, It's easier. And I know this because I've seen it. It's easier to do everything and take everything on um, when you work in a hospital that has just about every resource you can imagine. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, you have a false sense of security. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Nothing sense. Yeah. yeah. But we yeah. all know that bad shit happens in those big hospitals too. That's true. Yep. Yeah. And yeah. we could also be going along about our day at our rural place doing the most mundane routine thing and have a complication that we weren't expecting. Yeah, you know? like, I think of a, a time when I was working, I'm, I'm not going to say the details, but there was a, a very seasoned, like very seasoned surgeon doing a case at the kind of like the outline community hospital rather than at the university. And it should have been a chip shot, but it wasn't. There was an arterial injury and they ended up having to evacuate the patient via helicopter because there's not a vascular surgeon out there. I mean, it was just like, one thing after another. And I mean, that's surgery. Right. Right. So I don't want to get into where I'm like, well, this could happen. So I should send it on. You know what I mean? Right. Then I probably wouldn't operate at all. (laughs) I think that that's kind of the slippery slope that some of us are sort of sliding on all the time. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, and maybe, maybe this um, particular season where we've got this uh, shortage of nurses, like you mentioned, and other resources that are strained, just kind of make the slope even slippier, slip, slippier, slippery, slipperier. (laughs) Yeah, I'm not sure either. Okay, so if we more slippery, there we go. That's probably (laughs) correct. (laughs) Um, so if we take these ideas, like, I don't want to underestimate myself and also, you know, do make the best decisions for my patients. Right. Like, what does that bring up for you? 
Um, well, I will admit when I first started operating, I had a hard time um, not second guessing like almost anything I did and feeling like there was always a better surgeon out there than me, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that's definitely gotten better. So it's, it's still along those lines. And so that's what I'm trying to make sure that it's not like um, that those thoughts coming up and I'm just using like resources as an excuse or if it's truly like resources, you know what I mean? And what do you think the answer is? Probably some of both. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think that's fair. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I think a hallmark of a good surgeon, this is my opinion, is somebody who isn't so full of themselves that they aren't, you know, having some degree of reflection on the job that they're doing. And sometimes that comes across strong and sometimes it doesn't. And so like, I think for those of us where it's coming across really strong, it kind of comes in the form of imposter syndrome and feeling like Mm -hmm. you can't do it. But I also think that there's like a little bit of a beauty to that. It's like, oh, okay, well, I'm not so full of myself that I'm not willing to, you know, stay on my toes and fresh and making sure that I'm like doing right by my patients. Right. Um, so let's talk a little bit about the feeling that you're having as this is going on. Can you describe what the feeling is? Um, like when I, like when I'm trying to make the decision, yeah. definitely uncertainty is one of them mm-hmm. um and you know i i'm a security oriented person i think we've definitely talked about this before i you know and i'm sure a lot of us are but i like to know that things are <laughs> the uncertainty i'm uncomfortable with often <laughs> right and yet surprisingly i'm a surgeon because <laughs> that happens a lot <laughs> Yeah. I mean, I think it's really common for people to feel uncertain. Um, So what do you think the thought is that's creating uncertainty? So I put in the circumstance line for everybody who can't see this, that the circumstances, you can either do the case at the rural hospital or refer it. So there's like Mm -hmm. a choice at hand and there's going to be a thought there and the feeling is uncertain. It must be something like, I don't know if I should do this or refer it. Right. Exactly. I don't know. Okay. And then you feel uncertain about that. And what does that uncertainty lead you to do? Probably ruminate. Mm-hmm. Question your abilities. Yep. What else? Um, yeah. And then I know once I get to the surgery, if I start to run into anything that doesn't seem to be going exactly right, I panic a little, you know, um, beyond, you know, it's, which is normal if that, which would happen with any surgery, but also like almost before anything happens, because I'm like, shoot, I knew I shouldn't have done it here. You know what I mean? (laughs) Oh, okay. That's really important. So it's 
like blame yourself basically. Yeah. Yeah. Or shooting, should yourself. Um, yes. Yes. Should. I'm a very good shooter. Okay. And so then the result that we get here is you keep, you basically keep yourself in this, in this limbo of not knowing if you should do the case or refer, right? Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so I wanted to set that model up. I'm, we've had um, new people join us recently, and I just want to try to practice setting these models up for people because it's such a powerful awareness tool. So you can just really see that, you know, the human brain, we're having like 60,000 thoughts a day and they're coming very rapidly and very tangled, but it's just nice to say, okay, well, there are some moments of the day where I'm going, I'm living in this model. And so it's like, I don't know if I should do the case or refer it on. And I feel uncertain in those times. And when I feel uncertain, this is what I notice I do. I ruminate and I question myself and I shit all over myself and I start to panic if anything goes wrong. And then basically the result is, is your whole lived experience becomes living in that kind of that realm of uncertainty. Mm -hmm. So I think it's important now to kind of dive a little deeper and say, which is what we started with, which is like, okay, are you uncertain because you are questioning your own ability? Are you uncertain because you're questioning the um, resources? That right. Mm-hmm. And if you had to answer on the spot, because it sounded like you said it was a little bit of both. What do you think is the predominant thing? Um, I do think usually it is the resources. That's, I really, I really do. Yeah. yeah. That's really good information. It's yeah. Really good information. Because yeah. it sets up your experience of it and how you relate to it totally differently than if right. you're the problem. Right. You know, it's a completely different set of work to do if you think you're the problem. So I think it's really important. And so, yeah. All right. A resource challenged. Now, what's the next step? If the problem is that, if the, if the predominant problem is that you're mm-hmm. resource challenged, then what? Do you have some internal compass that you rely on when when you're making decisions? Like, um, you know, what I like to re- fall back on is just like, what would I want if this were my child? Right. Or, what would I want mm-hmm. if this were my family member or whatever? I feel like it's kind of a good litmus test. Yeah. If you're like, oh, mm-hmm. yeah, I think it would be totally fine to have that case in a rural hospital. And, um, you know, you also mentioned that the other hospital is not that far. It's like an hour. Right. But that might mean something different to different people. Yes, I have found that. (laughs) So do you loop in the patient with kind of their thoughts on it? Yeah, I do a lot frequently. Yeah. And I probably even did with this case, and I can't remember. Yeah. (laughs) So if we can just kind of touch back to like, what's painful about this for you? Yeah. Predominantly that you're resource limited and it's not so much that you're questioning your own ability. What's painful about it? 
Um, I think as a physician, I still take a ton of responsibility on myself for what we decided to do. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I do feel like usually a lot of my patients, not always, some people are very opinionated, but a lot of patients just really trust what you tell them, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So then if it doesn't turn out well, you take that onto yourself, if that makes sense, you know? Oh, hundred percent. We all do. Which we all do. That's why we stay up at night. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Worrying about stuff and whatnot, but I think this also kind of can connect a little bit to being on call where people, I think the uncertainty is the pain, right? The uncertainty of just not knowing. Yeah. Yeah. What's so interesting is, is that that uncertainty is always present. It's just not always top of mind or top of body since it's a feeling, but like I was mentioning in the beginning, bad stuff can happen anywhere. Right. Big hospital, small hospital, on the way to the hospital, on the way home from the hospital. The uncertainty is always out there. It's just that we're not focused on that. And this is an opportunity where your brain is focusing on it because it just seems like so important right now. It's, do you see what I'm saying? But it's really, like anything can happen anytime. And the likelihood of something bad happening is still really low, probably, even with the lack of nurses, wouldn't you say? Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think as we talk about it, I think part of the pain comes from like that, the whole messaging we get in training that we are like a hundred percent responsible for everything. And that if something goes wrong, it was probably something you did. I mean, you being at a big hospital for training and when you're training a tertiary referral, you hear people talk about what people sent in all the time. Like they yeah. did something stupid. You know what I mean? <laughs> and, like, and, and, and that, and then just the whole like physicians are like robots and gods and not humans. And you know what I mean? I mean, I had this really amazing patient, I don't know, maybe about five or six years ago who um, I was going to, I was doing, going to do surgery on her and it was a more like urgent situation. And she was just like, it was along the lines of like, I know you'll, I can't remember exactly what she said, but she said like, I'll know you do the best you can and what happens happens. And it's like, none of this is your fault. So you know what I mean? It was essentially what she was saying. And like, I don't think I'd ever heard that from a patient before. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. My suspicion is, is that there are more people out there with those sentiments than, than we know. Um, and we're definitely not used to hearing that messaging, but at the end of the day, that's the truth. We're human beings. You're a human being. And unless you're a sociopath, you are doing the best that you can at any given moment, you know, um, Yeah, I I think too because the human brain doesn't like uncertainty, it's always going to protect itself by making up the worst case scenario. It's just so much easier and it feels better in a weird way to just imagine the worst case 
playing out than it does to imagine the best case playing out, even though it's like a coin toss and actually more likely, probably not a coin toss, more likely to be the positive thing in any given moment. But it just, the the human brain will want to, because of the negative bias, because of the evolutionary adaptations we have, it's just going to want to default to trying to get some kind of certain feeling and have it be negative. That's just, it needs to be overridden over and over and over and over again. Yeah, that's the negative bias thing, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Exactly right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So um, keep up the good work. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And and it's it's helpful sometimes to talk through it and remind myself of those um specific things like we are human, you know, we're not robots. The For brain sure. is just trying to, you know, protect itself by doing the negative things and yeah. Yeah. All those things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think this is such a great example too, for people to know that we do this thought work and we feel our feelings and we practice these things, but it doesn't make you less human. The right. stuff still happens. We still revert to the default pathways. You don't suddenly not have a human brain. Mm-hmm. But it, this is just a tool to help navigate it. It's a tool to help live with more flexibility through the ups and downs of life, you know? Mm-hmm. So, and it, it brings awareness to it. Like you were it saying. Does. Yeah. You know. it brings, it, yeah. And with that, that's where people I think can become empowered in any situation is just by having the awareness and then knowing um, that you are in charge of how you relate to any given situation. Right. Even if the default is one thing, you can kind of turn the ship if you want to. Um, great. So this is a this served as a great reminder for all of those things. And um, do you want to set up an intentional model? Would that be helpful for you, or do you, does this feel complete? Yeah, I think I'm okay. I think um, I think we identified the pain points for me, which. Um, I think a lot, the biggest pain point was feeling that guilt and shouldness, you know, like, and not forgiving myself for being human. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you. Well, thanks for sharing that. It was so great to hear your voice tonight. <laughs> thanks. <laughs> okay. I will go ahead and um, disable your talking and lower your hand. And then we have time for another one. Um Is uh, there anything else people want to talk about tonight? Anything else? Okay, great. Um, I'm going to call you on just in just a second. Dark Knight raised her hand next. I was just renaming somebody in case I didn't screw up the chat function this time. Um, I'm just going to go with the flower theme since Daisy started us out. Uh, Here we go. Okay, Dark Knight. I love this. 
will allow you to talk. Okay. Hi. Hi. How are you? Good. How are you? Good. Um, I just logged in, so I don't know if um, this relates to what you were just talking about with the other person. Um, okay. But lately I have felt so frustrated that I know a lot of um, different jobs are feeling this way, but in healthcare, feeling that the support staff just don't do anything. <laughs> um, so um, I guess I'm thinking of like a few specific examples. I would say they mostly involve our medical assistants. Um and I, you know, in the past, I've sort of prided myself on being a surgeon who's busy, but can balance a lot of stuff within life, too. And I just feel like because nobody does anything, nobody does their job, I'm having to take on their job. And that has left much less bandwidth and time for me to get life things done. Okay. Um, so it, you know, sort of came to head this weekend where I've had this like ever growing to do list for two months. I'm pretty good at knocking stuff out, but because I feel like I have to micromanage everything in clinic, everything in the OR, you know, it leaves like no time or energy to knock off anything on that to-do list. Okay. Um, trying to think of like a really oh okay so let's see last week um what was the case I just did oh had a patient um self-pay patient you know he was decided that he wanted to go ahead and do surgery with me Mm -hmm. um the we recently lost our OR manager so one of the nurses is filling in but she's definitely not a manager um told me everything is good you're good to go and do the case um we'll get the implants we have enough staff We moved all my clinic patients, um, and then on Friday, I'm in the OR all morning, come out sometime in an afternoon for, um, and receive, I have had a text sitting there for hours from um, one of our scrub techs saying, oh, um, the rep can't get your implants in time, uh, can't get your equipment in time for Monday, and he doesn't know when he can get it, Um, and this infuriated me because I thought this should have been all figured out before we moved my entire clinic. Mm -hmm. Um, Then what happened was because it was Friday afternoon, you know, most people have left work or they're not paying attention. And then it became my problem on Friday afternoon to try to um, coordinate everything for the following week. I tried to move my patients back to when they were originally scheduled. The practice manager called me and said, you can't do that. We look stupid. We keep moving the patients. Um, and I just, I haven't, and then I ended up doing the case yesterday, which required moving all the patients again and kind of changing my schedule around again. And I just felt like so much of this could have been avoided if someone actually just did the job they're getting paid for and managed all this instead of having me do it, you know, when I'm in the OR all day long. Yeah. So this is multi-layered. And I think you're touching on some pain points here that a lot of people are experiencing with this, you know, pressure because so many people are leaving healthcare. Um, So I feel like things, it's like having a pressure cooker going. Um, So I think that's one issue. The other issue is, is kind of like 
the communication patterns that set up because it seems like maybe even with the story you just shared that there might have been simple ways in which that could have been handled if they didn't text you directly. If you can't get to your phone, like was there some other way that 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 information could have been communicated to other people? And then finally, the third thing is, no, I have four things. The third thing was like what you're saying is just being able to count on people doing what they do or supposed to do. And then the final thing I wanted to mention is like, how do you experience all of this, which is with frustration and stress, um, you know, that it sounds like your experience of all of it, like kind of sucked. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. So we, since we only have like 10 minutes, what of those things would you like to tackle? Um, so maybe not the communication part per se, but, um, you know, people not stepping up and kind of managing it. I feel like it's, um, more of a, you know, MD aware thing instead of, you know, oh, I told a doctor, but not, oh, I told the doctor and this is our plan. Like there's no executive functioning by any of the staff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So it would be interesting if we could take a poll to see how many people have these issues, because I mean, I know I do or did. I get frequent last minute texts, even though I would write out all the stuff that I would need ahead of time. And most of the time I was communicating with the reps myself because I don't trust anybody either. I mean, Mm -hmm. just kind of leftover obsessive compulsive stuff from residency and having feeling like I was responsible for all that stuff. But um, like that aside, is it true? Like, I don't know. Like we want to know. I don't know how to put this. Is it true that people really aren't doing their jobs? And if so, how can you feel empowered in that situation? I mean, they're definitely doing some job. They may just not be doing all of it. (laughs) They're doing something. I just don't know you know, what it is that they are doing. Um, I mean, obviously this um, OR nurse who's taken over, she's definitely not a manager and she is very overwhelmed that she has to do any of this at all. Um, But I also think um, some of it may be that they either haven't been trained on how to deal with this or just the way my practice is with more urgent cases and no OR time, it just creates a lot of challenges for anyone involved to try to schedule or reschedule anything. Yeah. So, and you're, you know, that this is going to happen from time to time, like even in a perfect world where people are doing their jobs, there's still going to be issues sometimes with getting implants or having to reschedule patients or something like that. We, we see stuff like that happening all the time anyway. I'm not mad that the implants couldn't come. It it has turned actually into this whole big thing, and I'm not using that company anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not mad that the implants didn't come. I'm mad that someone left a text on my phone 
and left it for me to deal with at 3 p.m. on a Friday without incorporating any of the other staff and trying to handle this, right? If they had said, hey, your implants aren't coming, we can't do the case on Monday, by the way, we moved all your patients back, like that would have been fine. But it's just, oh, hey, you, the doctor, the implants didn't come, and then no one else knows anything. Yeah. Okay. This is great. So just with like a little extra conversation around it, now we're getting right to the heart of the matter because now you can say really clearly what the problem is. You're mad that they, that specifically, I I kind of started a model here that's a little too vague, but it's the real issue is, is the, is the message on the phone. So, um, okay. Text to phone. And you're mad, not frustrated. Well, you're frustrated too, but in this particular model, we're looking at mad and you're like, nobody did, nobody took care of anything or what's the thought that created mad? Um, nobody took care of anything or no, you want, nobody handled this. Nobody handled this. And you're mad. So then what did you do when you were mad? Um, sent semi-angry text messages, which ultimately didn't change anything because it was Friday afternoon and no one could do anything about anything. Okay, what else? Um, you know, I'm trying to not, like, communicate less, but just be more succinct and, like, no nonsense. And I don't think I did a very good job of that on Friday, which then led to like all this texting back and forth Friday afternoon. Um, I came home, I went to go for a walk. So it was like the last day of nice weather. And by the time this all finished, I was exhausted and stayed on my couch for the entire evening. So I was like, you know, this whole exchange led me to waste so much time. And it didn't even matter because obviously those implants are not coming. Okay. So I just wrote down text back and forth, waste time. And so then like the result is nothing is handled and you're like depleted. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So this is a disempowered place to be, but what I want to recognize is, is that we'll find ourselves in these situations very often. And there's this beauty around just meeting yourself yourself where you are because maybe this is a situation where being mad is like like who wouldn't be mad so I feel like often we miss an opportunity to just allow ourselves to experience the emotion for what it is and we so just want to like jump to the thing where we feel better but like this is something I'd be pissed about too I'd be irate. I would be furious. I would be thinking all these patients on Monday are getting inconvenienced. I'm not even going to get to do this case. Everything is completely fucked up. Like, I think I would have gone exactly to the same place that you went. So then I want to ask you, like, is that a problem for you to feel mad when mad is completely appropriate? I'm not mad that I'm mad. I'm more, I guess, annoyed, because again, like everyone's gonna be mad about this. I'm more annoyed that it led that I let it 
drag into like the evening on my end with these text mm-hmm. messages back and forth instead of just being like, you all suck and now I'm turning my phone off. <laughs> yeah, so I see that, right? Like, even then, though, like letting it drag into the evening, is there a way for you to just give yourself a break on that? Yeah, I guess. I mean, it actually, with the timing and everything, worked out pretty well because I did the case on Tuesday with a much better PA, um, you know, who makes the case go a lot smoother versus what I would have had on Monday. Um, and I got that walk in on Monday morning before work and before clinic. Um, yeah, I guess. I guess, um, you know, my thing with the whole the staff doesn't do anything is that it then wastes a lot of my time and I'm trying to control like my reaction so that, okay, they wasted my time, but I don't need to waste my time. If that makes sense. It makes perfect sense. And I think that that's actually like, could be more towards the intentional model here, Mm -hmm. but that's not what happened in this instance. Right. right? So you have this perception that all this went down and then you carried it forth into your evening and then you wasted your time. So now we're even getting to a deeper level here where like, it sounds like for you, something you value is efficient time management and like not having your personal time disrupted by this thing. Yeah. And so like, this is great information to know about yourself and then to kind of use this now retrospectively with compassion for yourself that, wow, okay, I see, I see what happened there. And I totally understand why it happened that way, because this was super stupid and annoying and frustrating. Like, of course I let it go. Of course I let it bleed into the rest of my day because I'm a human being. Like what I'm offering to you here is a moment to just allow yourself to have had this human experience before we get strategic and try to figure out like how not to let that happen again in the future. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I know we've talked many times and I, I think I understand maybe that there's like some, um, efficiency and task oriented type of, um, um, like, I think that you like that, like you like to get things done. You like to be efficient. You like when things are running on time. I've noticed that in other discussions we've had. And I think that's really great to know too. It's like, okay, I know this about myself and I know, you know, I like it when things are efficient and I like it and correct me if I'm wrong. So if I'm way off base, please let me know. No, no, you're totally, totally right. Yeah. But then, you know, when this thing happens, like, how do you just give yourself that space and just allow that to be? Yeah, just kind of let it happen and don't dwell on it further, like when that's all done. Well, yeah, I mean, even now we're kind of dwelling on it, but I think it's really great to dwell (laughs) on it now because now we can learn from it. Right. And now, and I think so many people just could benefit from hearing about like meeting ourselves where we are instead of trying to like immediately change to the next best thing. It's like, 
it's an opportunity to just practice tolerating your own humanness. It's like, you don't always have to look for ways for self-improvement. Exactly. Sometimes yeah. stuff just sucks. And yeah. sometimes <laughs> yeah. you're going to lay on your couch. And guess yeah. what? That is okay. Yeah. It's completely fine. Yes. You just ended us really, really well. So thank you <laughs> so much. Good. Thank you. So he's like, we'll solve all the problems tomorrow, but for today, I'm just going to be fucking pissed. Yeah. yeah. That sounds good. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Dark Knight. I appreciate you bringing that up at the end and everybody else um, get everything loaded for you. So thanks for your participation. Good night, everybody.